Thank you for listening Welcome to today's to this message. sermon podcast. We hope that the service was a blessing to and you, thank you and that you were encouraged by message. God's word. We pray if you have God's any questions about Myo Baptist to you, please as a reminder that the Bible has all the answers. You can find contact information on our website life at myobaptistchurch. Thanks for listening. We now Thanks join the service in progress. Telltale sign, that's a telemarketer, right? Help me out, folks. I need—I am asking for sympathy now. And then he comes on and he says, excuse me. He said, oh, I got to adjust my headset. That's a ploy they're using. How many of you have heard that from a telemarketer? Look, look at all the hands. So, so I said, I think I said something like, I'm sorry, I'm busy, hung up. And as I hung up, I thought, Brother Joss was supposed to call me, but no, nah, that, that, that couldn't be him. Later that afternoon, Sharon says, I just got an unusual email. I said, from who? And she said, well, Brother Joss. And, and what did it say, Sharon? So that I, I felt terrible. I, you know, Brother Josh said, I hope I didn't offend you. And, you know, if you want to ban me for life, that's okay, you know, kind of thing. So I called him later that afternoon, you know, my first word, oops. You know, I am so sorry. But I have learned uh, in, in a few conversations since then uh, to appreciate this man. The more I get to know him, the more I like him. And we, uh, I, I think there's a very good possibility. We, we just had a missionary come off the field. Uh, the Jobs, they are no longer in England, and one way you can look at that is that closed door opens a, another door, and uh, hopefully as a church family, we'll do that with your ministry. But I'm glad, you know, you talk about the devil, you mentioned it this morning, how the devil can try to get into things and mess things up yes, that are sir. meant to be. And the more I hear of your ministry and know of our congregation, I, I think we got a match here, and hopefully, Amen. I really want some of you folks to consider getting involved will you be telling us about upcoming opportunities sure and you know and i know finances would be an issue for me but there are times you trust god if god says i want you to go you trust then you work hard do everything you can save your nickels and dimes earn extra nickels and dimes and and the lord will provide but enough about me brother josh we're glad you're here tell us about thank you preacher good afternoon I'm here from the TMC ministry, that is the Telemarketing Corporation. (laughs) It's kind of funny because, uh, you know, one thing I've learned is to try and be gracious. Because while your pastor kind of had a little bit of a mix-up there, I've been on the business end of those, where I've made those mix-ups, and you know, it's amazing how when you mess up in traffic, you expect somebody to give you a little grace, but we're the first ones to blow the horn when somebody messes up on us, and so when it happened, I just thought it was hilarious, because I have a headset that I wear when I'm calling pastors, because I want to be able to work on the keyboard and, you know, to schedule the meeting and everything, there's a lot of things that I do. I'm a very detailed person, and so Everything's got to be just right. I mean, I've got the website up there on the screen for the church. I've got the calendar up there. I've got any emails. I've got any connections that I've had with the church so I know who I'm talking to. And so when all of that is, I'm getting that all set up, and just before I make the phone call, I take a drink of water so that my voice doesn't crack or that I don't cough or choke or spit or sputter. And so I had this headset 
and I flipped up the mouthpiece up by the top of my head. And it's the one I wear in our big, we have a diesel semi truck that we carry all the tools in for our ministry. And so the heads, it's noise canceling. So when it's up here, I can yell, scream, and holler, and it doesn't pick up a thing. And so when I called him, I had forgotten to tilt that thing back down and put it in front of my face. And so when I called, I'm saying, hello, Pastor, are you there? And he can't hear a word I'm saying. And so that's the delay. Well, then, finally, when I get it down, you know, I feel like I've got to say something to tell him why there was such a delay. So I say, I've got to, I had to adjust my headset. Well, <laughs> his mind was made up at that point. <laughs> you know, there was, there was no bringing it back. It was, hey, I don't have time for you, pal. Just don't call me back. Wham! No, it wasn't like that. He was very gracious. He just, he, he very graciously said, I'm not interested. And, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> you want to miss out on the blessings, pal? You go right ahead. Because <laughs> there's going to be rewards in heaven for what this ministry does. <laughs> and I'm going to be standing in line going, <laughs> I'm getting too into it here. I'm, I'm blowing it. So anyway, we are from the Master's Craftsman Ministry out of Wildwood Baptist Church in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And I'm here with my lovely wife. I'd like her to stand up and, and uh, for you to see her. Turn around and say hi. And now I know what you're thinking. You're saying, what is a good-looking lady like that doing with a geek like you? Well, let me tell you, it wasn't just a couple years ago that she got LASIK eye surgery and could see what she really married. <clears throat> But by then it was too late and she couldn't get out of it. We had two children, my son Daniel, who you just heard, and I cannot wait till he has his fourth lesson. <laughs> no, he's had a little, little more than three lessons. It's tremendous to see your kids use their talents for the Lord. And we also have a daughter, Elizabeth. She's 21. And uh, how many of you have older children? Lots of you here. Isn't it amazing how when they finally get useful, they leave you? I mean, you spend all that time and money getting them all raised up, and then they leave. So she has uh, got her own job. She's doing all her own thing, and, and we're praising the Lord for that. Uh, she's busy keeping busy. So uh, um, we take teams of volunteers, people just like you. The Master's Crafts and Ministry takes teams of volunteers just like you. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm not a construction guy, so I can't possibly help you with your ministry. Well, let me tell you. All you have to be is willing. You don't have to be a master of anything. If that was the case, I wouldn't be here today. Let's face it, I am not qualified to be the head of a ministry called the Master's Craftsman. And when God called me into this ministry, I gave him every reason why I was not qualified. But you know what the neat thing is? I believe 100% that God chooses to use the most incompetent, uncapable people like me to do great things because then everyone knows that it's God that's doing something because there's no way I could come up with all of this. There's no way that I could think I'd ever go and stand in the Kremlin or swim on the Great Barrier Reef or be in the jungles of Papua New Guinea building cabinets. And I'd love for you to take advantage of our display table out there. Uh, there's lots of literature. How many of you remember when you used to save up box tops and then send them in for a prize? Okay, yeah, yeah, there are some old people here. Well, I'm going to do something today, and just because I like your pastor, I like, like you people, I've met some of you already, and, and I, I just love you people. I, you know, you feel like you've known you forever. You know how it is when you have good Christian folks, and I feel like I've known you forever. So we're going to do something similar to that today. 
We have three things out on our, our display that we'd like you to take advantage of. First is our prayer card, Bible marker. We'd like you to at least get one of these, okay? I want you to put one of these in your, in your uh, Bible or your refrigerator door, whichever one you open the most, okay? <laughs> but get one of these prayer cards, and when you open up your Bible and you're doing your morning Bible study, which you're all doing, right? <whistles> okay, yeah, yeah, we just ate, I know, you're sleeping. Okay, you're all doing your morning Bible reading, right? Amen. Amen. Okay. You're going to open up your Bible and you're going to see my face and say, yeah, that guy needs prayer. Okay? So at least get one of these prayer, prayer cards. Then there's brochures back there. This tells you a little bit about our ministry, what we do, how we do it, why we're doing it. And maybe there's somebody that wasn't here today that you think might enjoy a ministry like this. Get one of these. And then we have our... Uh, past newsletters. Now, some of these are pretty old. This one here is February, so uh, they're just leftovers, so feel free to take one. And this newsletter is how you'll find out where we're going and what we're doing. Now, if you'll collect all three of these, and you'll come to me within 20 minutes after the service today, that's before the meeting, for the, uh, what did you call it? The ministry, ministry team. Now, just as a side note here, I'm going to ask you something. Is there anybody here who shouldn't be on that ministry team? Really. If, I mean, this is the ministry of this church. This church is your church. Basically, everybody that's here right now should be in that meeting at the end. Now, maybe that's not how it's set up. I don't know. I should keep them all shut. But everybody is in ministry. If you're a born-again believer, you have ministry. So, anyway, get all three of these. Come to me within the first 20 minutes after the service, and just for today only, I will give you absolutely nothing. (laughs) I'm a missionary. Come on. But at least you will effectively know how to pray for our ministry, where we're going, and what we're doing. Now, you may say, I'm just a housewife. Well, let me tell you, we want the ladies to cook the meals for for the trips because we try to make these trips affordable. We take 10-day trips. We realize that you're not going to be able to go. If we say we're going to go over to Germany and work in a church there for two weeks, that's going to eliminate a lot of people who are going to be able to go for that long. So what we want to do is keep them short-term. We'll do a phase of the construction. And we're going to tell you in this newsletter how much it's going to cost, what the accommodations are going to be. Now, some people like adventurous trips. I call them adventurous. That means if you see the word adventurous in the newsletter article, that means we're going to be sleeping on bamboo mats and eating bugs for breakfast. Now, some people's idea of camping is having a mint on their pillow. We'll have a trip for everybody, but you're going to know going in what type of a trip that we're doing, okay? And you can be rest assured that we're going to have where we're going to be staying, what we're going to be eating, all those details, how we're going to be getting around, And yes, we do want you to go and have a day of fun. We want to make sure, if we're going to drag you halfway around the world, we want to make sure that you're going to get an opportunity to see the place where this missionary is trying to reach and get a feel for the people that are there. So it's just a great way to get exposure to the mission field. And we want the the people to go, if possible, as a family. Okay? Because you can tell parents, you can tell your kids all day long, grow up and serve the Lord, but if they never see you serve the Lord... What really is that? They're going to know it's just words. But you'd be amazed at how many people will have their families say, remember that time when mom and dad took us and we put that roof on that church and dad was up on the roof and mom was working with a bunch of the other ladies making those meals and we had our hard hats on and we were picking up all the garbage off the ground and putting it in the dumpster? 
That's something those kids remember. And you know the neat thing is? There's rewards in heaven for it. Because, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here because you have a beautiful building. Things are taken care of. Most people don't realize that a lot of ministry isn't necessarily going on right here at this pulpit. The vast majority of this ministry is getting the carpets vacuumed, making sure the bathrooms are cleaned, making sure that the parking lot is swept. Because you know what? The first time a visitor comes to your church, they may not even care what Bible you use. They don't care if you're using a King James. They're coming here looking, is there a place for me to park my car? Is there a clean bathroom? Is there a place for me to sit? And is there some Sunday school program that I can put my kids in for two hours? None of that really has to do with anything remotely spiritual, does it? But that can be the first reason that they turn right around and leave. And yet, somebody cares in your church to be here and vacuum the carpet and make sure that things are clean. And then they'll hear the gospel and they'll get saved. And you have a part in them getting saved. It's the same with when you go with us on a trip. You go somewhere in the world with us and you see uh, the opportunity to build something and someday some little African fella is going to come up to you and say, you know, you helped build a radio station that I heard the gospel preached on. And I got saved because of hearing the gospel on that radio station. And I now know, as, you know we're going to have all of eternity to find out the rewards that we're going to get. And that little, that little fellow is going to come up and shake your hand and say, you helped build that radio station and I want to thank you. Isn't that neat? Now, <clears throat> as I mentioned earlier, you don't have to be a pro at anything. But you do have to be willing. Folks, you're only going to get as much God in your life as you want. You're going to do exactly what you want. Okay? If you want to serve God with your life, you will do it. If you want to make money and you want to be uh, you know, worldly and have all the things of this world, that's what you're going to do. But someday, you're going to answer to God. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about our, my testimony after we watch our video. I have a presentation video, and then I'm going to tell you about how I got into the ministry, how I got saved, and how the Lord has been using us ever since. So if the video is ready... Uh, We'll watch that. My name is Eric Joss, and I'm the founder and director of the Master's Craftsman Ministry, based out of Wildwood Baptist Church in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I would like to thank you for this opportunity to share some of the exciting things the Lord is doing through this ministry. In this video, you will see there are many ways that you personally can become one of the Master's Craftsmen. You will also see a small portion of the people we've been able to impact, as well as some of the missionaries and churches we have been able to help around the world. It is our desire that you'll be willing to serve the Lord with us by going on one of our construction mission trips. The experience will change your life. It is my sincere hope that you will pray for our family as we seek to do His will. As the Lord leads, we ask that you will prayerfully consider supporting our ministry financially. Thank you again for the opportunity to share the Master's Craftsman Ministry.
You might be wondering, just what is the Master's Craftsman Ministry anyway? Well, first and foremost, it's a ministry that sees souls come to know Christ through sharing the gospel. Whether it's witnessing to an unsaved team member on a mission trip, the guy delivering the materials on the job site, a waitress in a restaurant, or someone waiting for a bus, we are actively seeking to win the lost. When the Master's Craftsman Ministry began in 2005, my vision was to help churches and missionaries around the world with cost-effective construction services so they would have the tools they needed to effectively reach the lost. However, soon after the groundwork of the ministry was laid, the Lord started to change the vision of the Master's Craftsman from buildings to people. While construction is still a major part of our ministry, the Lord revealed the need to first build Christians, then together build churches. The Master's Craftsman Ministry became a tool to give the opportunity for average Christians to use their hands to serve God. You see, it's not about what you're doing for a living, it's about what you're doing for Christ. It's not about what you have, it's about what you are willing to give back to Jesus. We take teams of men and women to the mission field to help pastors and missionaries around the world not only with construction services, but we also assist them in their outreach to the lost. The team members then realize they can play an important role in God's plan to win the lost for Christ and earn eternal rewards they can someday lay at Jesus' feet. Team members gain a renewed spirit for missions and a confidence in sharing their personal testimony. Ultimately, it has been our experience that those who go with us on a mission trip have their lives changed forever and they become more involved in the Lord's work. Hello, my name is Jim Langendorf. I would like to share how the Master's Craftsman Ministry has changed my life. In January of 2012, I reluctantly went on a construction missions trip with TMC to Romania to build an orphanage. While on the trip, the Lord began to show me things in my life that made me realize I wasn't truly saved. While I was active in my local church and had earlier made a false profession of faith, deep down I came to realize I needed to be saved. Because I've always struggled with pride, I didn't tell anyone while I was on the trip how the Holy Spirit was working on me. We returned home, and for more than a year following the trip, the Holy Spirit continued to deal with me. Satan, however, was trying to convince me that because I had been given so many opportunities for salvation, God surely would not save me. Finally, on March 14, 2013, the battle was over. A close friend took the scriptures and showed me God is not willing that any should perish, and he led me to the Lord. Praise the Lord, now I'm saved. I truly believe the Lord used the missions trip to Romania to get me out of my comfort zone and to begin the process of changing my heart. I would encourage each of you to consider going on a master's craftsman trip. I speak from experience. It will change your life. If you're interested, we have a form for you to fill out to give us your contact information as well as a checklist of what types of construction trades you would be willing to help us with. We will then enter the information into our database and send you our newsletter, The Master's Plan, via postal service or by email, whichever you prefer. Once you begin to receive the newsletter, you will know what mission trip opportunities are available, and you can then contact us when you feel led to participate in one of our many projects. Another benefit to receiving the newsletter is you will also know how to effectively pray for the Master's Craftsman Ministry. Remember, to become one of the Master's Craftsmen, you don't have to be a master of anything. 
just someone who is willing to allow the Lord to use you. The next video clip will show you some of the men and women our ministry has had the opportunity to impact in places like Africa, the Bahamas, Belarus, Hungary, Mexico, Papua New Guinea, Peru, Poland, Romania, Russia, and many places here in the United States. Sometimes I have trouble serving the Savior Cause I know what I really am I don't know how Jesus could use one like me The sin that kept me away He must have forgotten The sin that I've done He must not remember The place I came from That must be I know I'm unworthy, but he 
Many of you are glad that he forgets. You know, you saw a lot of people in there. That's what the Master's Grass Ministry is about. It's not buildings. The fellow that you heard his testimony, Jim, the fellow that got saved because of the Romania trip, he's going with me on a project next weekend. And I wish I could stand here and tell you that everything is rosy in every one of these people's lives that's gone with us on one of these trips. But earlier this year, we put his wife, we buried his wife. She died of cancer at age 43. Folks, there's some people going through deep waters. And the Master's Craftsman Ministry has a part in their lives. When I first got my call to this ministry, I thought I was going to take my tool bag and I was going to go and I was going to build buildings. But the Lord changed my heart. He helped me see that there are so many people sitting in a church pew today thinking there's nothing they can do but pay their tithe and listen to the pastor Sunday after Sunday. And folks, I'm here to tell you there's nothing further from the truth. God is just waiting for you to surrender and give your life to him. You see, I was raised in a Lutheran home. My parents had me in church every day that the church doors were open. And one day during catechism class, the pastor asked a question, if you were to die today, Eric, and stand before God, and he was to say, why should I let you into my heaven, what would your answer be? And I really had never given it any thought. And I said the first thing that came to my mind, which was, well, I'm a pretty good kid, and I don't smoke and chew and run with the girls who do, I'd probably get in. And he said, no, Eric, it's because Christ died for your sins. And I thought, well, great, now I have the answer. You see, I looked at it kind of like the speakeasies during Prohibition. I thought I was going to walk up to the door of heaven, knock on the door, the little trap door was going to slide open, I was going to say, Christ died for my sins, and they were going to let me in. And you see, the truth is, if I'd have died at that point in my life, I'd have died and went to hell with all the right answers. Satan knows that Christ died for sins, but he never repented, and he never asked, and neither did I. It wasn't until I started uh, getting interested in a lady by the name of Judy Sturtz, that I started going to the Baptist church. She'd come to my church, I'd go to her church, and she'd talk to me. She said, you know, Eric, what are you trusting in for your salvation? Well, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, of course. Sounds like a saved person, doesn't it? But you see, I had a head knowledge, I didn't have a heart knowledge, and she couldn't look at my heart. And she didn't want to be married to an unbeliever. And so we, I started going to her church, and the pastor there did something that I was un not used to, I hadn't seen much of. Everything that he said, he backed up in the Bible. Now, I'm not here to knock churches, but at my church, they would read a few portions of Scripture, and then he'd lay that Bible aside, and that was the last you heard from the Word of God. He talked about the events of the day. And so when the pastor of that Baptist church started talking about how you need to repent and ask Christ to save you, and then he showed the verses... That was different, because now it was no longer somebody else saying it, it was God saying it. And I realized in the second pew from the back, where we sit today, because when I'm in my home church, the first thing they do is give me a visitor card. And then secondly, when something goes wrong, they come and ask me to come fix it. So I don't want to be a disturbance. So in the second pew from the back, where I still sit today when I'm in my home church, I was too proud to go forward, because I realized I'm sitting next to the girl that I want to marry, and I'm truly not saved, and I'm on my way to hell. 
And so I was too proud to go forward during the invitation. But on that day, I bowed my head, grabbed a hold of that pew in front of me, and I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I've got no way to get to heaven but you. Will you save me? My address changed that day. Praise God. And I'm hoping that maybe there's somebody here today who's in that same situation. Maybe you're very religious, and you just now realize that you're playing a game, just like Jim, where he had his whole life. That fellow was a deacon in his church and came to the realization that he wasn't truly saved. Maybe you're here today and you come to that realization that you're not truly saved. I would love the opportunity after the service today to take the Bible and show you from God's Word how you too can be saved. Because it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what pastor says. What matters is what Jesus Christ says. And so, from that point on, we got married. Things were going along great. I was the director of maintenance for nursing homes for 25 years. And um, I made lots of money. I had a job that basically they would call me into their office, the CEO, and say, Eric, we've got these projects that we'd like you to take a look at. Here's a couple million dollars for your expense budget. Here's a couple million dollars for your capital budget. Here's the projects we want you to look at. Have a great year. Sounds like a job you'd like, doesn't it? And so I had what people would say is fame and fortune. I had a great job. I had good benefits. And I liked the way my life was. I also had a lot of gods with a small g in my life. By that I mean I loved to hunt. How many of you like to hunt? (laughs) Okay. For me, hunting was a god with a small g. Whenever hunting season was open, I was doing it. Okay, caused marital problems, actually, because it was a competition for my time. And when my brother-in-law, Don Sturtz, was out in Boise, Idaho, presenting at a church there, they asked him, what do you like to do when you're not doing ministry? And he said, well, I love to hunt. And so they invited him to go on an elk hunt out in the Idaho mountains. And he asked if he could take his brother-in-law, Eric Joss, along with him because he knew I liked to hunt. And he knew that it would be something that we could split expenses. They said, sure, bring him along. So he went. And these guys are the hunters that hunt with the horses, the whole nine yards, the tents. And they had all the gear. All we had to do was get out there. Well, the first time we went, we didn't get anything. So they invited us to come back. The second time, we went. And I was able to bag a small spike bull elk. Now, you got to realize, for a guy who loves to hunt, nobody in my family's ever shot an elk before. This was big stuff for me. And I know that sounds silly to a lot of you, but, you know, that was where I was at. I was saved, but I wasn't serving the Lord and had no intention of doing it. And I shot the elk, and then the next day we were supposed to leave. We were supposed to go out, so I shot on the last day of the hunt. Now, we woke up every morning and listened to the radio and listened to the weather And the guys that were taking us hunting understood how the mountains can be. I mean, let's face it, the weather in the mountains can kill you if you're not careful. And we woke up that next morning. There was no snow forecast whatsoever. And we woke up and there was eight inches of snow in the bottoms of the valleys where we were camping. Now, we had two mountain ranges to go over the top of. I mean, this is where we were hunting. We took the horse trailers and the pickup trucks, drove the horse trailers as far as they'd go into the mountains, unhook the horse trailers, unload the horses, tie the horses to the back of the pickup trucks, drive as far as the pickup trucks can go, untie the horses, throw all our junk on the horses, and then go another 15 miles walking the horses. So we are back in where no man has gone before. And now we've just woke up and there's a lot of snow. Because if there's eight inches of snow in the bottom of the valley, guess what's on top of the range? It was five feet on the level with a 40-mile-an-hour wind. We were stuck. Now, you're saying, how does all this pertain to ministry? Okay, you know of a man in the Bible by the name of Jonah? 
I'm right there with them. Because I believe God 100% sent that snowstorm. You've got to realize, there was no snow forecast for that area whatsoever. Nothing. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, right, the weathermen never miss the forecast. <laughs> but I believe 100% God did this because they had to come in with a D9 caterpillar to plow us out. We got to the top of the first mountain and got stuck. And we were there for four days. Now, <clears throat> we were not in danger of dying. While we're waiting for this caterpillar to come and get us, all I had time to do was think. I mean, let's face it. You're sitting there for four days waiting for somebody to come plow you out. You're snowed in. Now, I've been a volunteer fireman for 30 years, and I've been the guy going in to rescue somebody who got himself into trouble. Now I'm that idiot, okay? And so here we are sitting there. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what if this was going to be my last day on earth? How would I fare? Well, I knew I was saved, and I want you to understand, we were not in danger of dying. Okay, we had nine horses and four elk to eat. Now, I like horses just as much as the next person, especially with a little ketchup. But the reality is, we were not in danger of dying. Okay? And so here we are, sitting there, and I'm thinking, Lord, how would I fare? Well, I knew I was saved. I wasn't going to worry about that. I had gotten that settled. Then you start to think about your wife. Well, did I pay that insurance policy? Is she going to be taken care of? Well... Folks, let's, let's face it. She's a great cook and good looking. She'd be married in two weeks. <laughs> I didn't have to worry about her. But then it came to when I stand before God and he says, Eric, I gave you some time and talents and resources. What did you do with them? And by the way, who did you bring with you? Can I tell you there wasn't much there? I realized that I had been living my whole life for me. I realized that, sure, I was successful, I had money, we had a great home, nice cars, a boat, and the list goes on and on. But what was that going to all be worth a thousand years from now? And who had I brought with me? Who was there? I couldn't come up with a face or a name of a single person that I had personally witnessed to that accepted the Lord. And I made God a promise that day. Now, I want you to understand, I'm being honest here, as, as honest as I can possibly be. I did not want to change my life. I liked the way things were. And basically, I made God a promise that if I thought God could actually use me, I probably wouldn't have made the promise. But I said, Lord, if you'll clearly show me what you want me to do with my life, no matter what it is, I'll do it. And again, I had no interest in changing my life. And we got off the mountain, and I forgot about the promise. But you know what? You make a promise to God, he doesn't forget. And he started to put the ministry of the master, excuse me, the, the uh, telemarketing company <laughs> into my heart. And the first thing I did was, I said, no, God, you've got the wrong person. I'm not an eloquent man. Does that sound familiar? Moses tried that, didn't he? When God told him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, he said those very words. I said, I can't preach. There's no way. I'm not an eloquent man. And I gave God every reason why he picked the wrong man. And you know what? He didn't let me off the hook. And after several years of trying to get out of it, I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor, here's the deal. I've got this vision of this ministry called the Master's Craftsman. And I don't know what to do. And he got a big smile on his face, and he said, well, Eric, why don't you start doing the 
maintenance around our church. And we'll see how that goes. And so we did. And a couple years later, I went to him again after going on a missions trip and said, listen, the Lord's called me to this. I can't get out of it. And he got the biggest smile on his face. And he said, well, Eric, that's what I've been waiting two years to hear you say. Let's get busy. So folks, if God calls you to do something, just do it. Just like the Nike commercial, just do it. Because I'll tell you right now, I would not go back to all the great job and everything that I had back then for what I've got now. There is, you couldn't pay me enough. Now, pastor asked me, just I'm just going to do this briefly and then we're going to be out of here, but he asked me to tell you about some upcoming projects. And right now, I do have one small project, which I'm going to be doing next weekend, but I don't have anything on the docket for large projects. And here's why. When you're a missionary going to Africa, everybody understands that you need to raise your support before you can go. When you're a construction ministry, it, you can't look a pastor in the eye and say that if I ever get my support, then I'm going to go and take teams of volunteers and build church buildings. They want to see a program. They want to see where you've been, what you've done, how you do it, and a list of missionaries that you've helped. I soon realized in 2005 when we started that we needed to be a valid ministry and say, here's the program. The only problem was in the process of becoming a valid ministry, going and doing what I said I was going to do, I got so busy and I love it so much that I never went back and did the deputation to support my missions habit. Okay, so here we are, now 2017, I'm not fully supported. I'm doing a full-time ministry, but we're only at 75% of our, the funds needed to put groceries on the table. So after prayer and consideration with my pastor and our missions pastor, we sat down at the table and we said, listen, what do we do here? And so we said, 2017 is the year that I'm going to start doing deputation. So here we are at this stage, starting out at 75%. So when your pastor says that they'd, he'd love to be able to help us out, I'm hoping you can too. Because here we are, we're, we're going to keep doing this. The Lord has made provision, as you can tell. I haven't missed any meals, let's face it. But we are looking for both you to support us financially as well as go with us on these trips because I guarantee you it will change your life. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.